electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, too close to call still, but whatever happens, Arthur Brooks, writer and professor, says a few things are certain. Half the country is going to be bitter about this, and the other half is going to be really happy. That's an opportunity to show grace and start to bring this country back together again. Billionaire investor Leon Cooperman and his vote for Joe Biden and what it could mean for Washington's agenda. It'll probably be many weeks before you know the final result. But I think the most significant thing that came out of the election was, I think, the repudiation of the left. And California's yes on Proposition 22. Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi claims victory for his contract workers and the future of the gig economy. The vast majority of our drivers, three quarter plus of, of our drivers, value the flexibility that our kind of work offers now. It's Friday, November 6th, 2020, also known as the fourth election day of the week. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin, and we are all glad to be with you at this extra early hour because there's a lot to talk about this morning. Did it occur to either of you that today's Friday? Uh, I, I, I just thought of, and I'm I think, in love. I, <laughs> Jumping in to remind podcast listeners that Squawk Box is a morning show and went to air early Friday as we waited for the final vote counts in key states that will determine the winner of the 2020 presidential election. And in a late twist, we are wait and see on the balance of power in the Senate. The state of Georgia is setting up for runoff elections in early January for both Senate seats. Here's Joe Kernan with some advice for getting to the other side. Let's welcome uh, Arthur Arthur Brooks, President Emeritus with the American Enterprise Institute. He's uh, with Harvard University, a contributing writer for The Atlantic, hosts the podcast The Art of Happiness with Arthur Brooks. And I know what you're going to tell me, that, that you have found some silver lining in this divided, cantankerous mess that the whole country finds itself in, and you have found a way for us to love each other, even though we're going to kill each other before we're able to do that. I'm a broken record. I know it, Joe. But look, look, you, you host the most entrepreneurial show on television. And the one thing that we all know, every single person watching us, look, we're gonna, so, some of us are going to be disappointed. Some of us are going to be thrilled. I got it. But the truth of the matter is, anytime there is something like this going on in the country, just like anytime there's something like this going on in a business, this is an opportunity. I don't know who it's going to be, because I can't call that. I'm not a pundit. But half the country is going to be bitter about this. And the other half is going to be really happy. That's an opportunity to show grace and start to bring this country back together again. So here's the call, because we're coming to Thanksgiving. <laughs> if you're happy about what's about to happen in this election, and I very much hope that Donald Trump doesn't take this to these, these, these court you know, challenges in such a way that it drags on forever and it becomes this mess that is a, is a fait accompli, that notwithstanding we have to deal with this for another month. It's the wrong thing to do. 
But no matter what happens, if you're thrilled about what happens in this election, this is your opportunity to think of the person in your life who disagrees with you politically and that you love. And you, you're supposed to call that person and make amends with that person. And this is the month that we can actually do it because of this bitterly divided election. This is an opportunity, an opportunity that's entrepreneurial for all of us to mend our nation. Jeez. What do you think of that, Joe? I think it sounds like a 12-step program and, and, and making amends and stuff. That, that, uh, I could, uh, you know, I could never get through that if I had to, making amends Yes, with you can. Yes, you can. And maybe you're going to be the one who's disappointed, and then there's somebody in your family who actually needs to make amends with you. By the way, you're lovable enough. It's not that hard. <laughs> um, but I will tell you one thing, um, and this, this is true, that... that We've had people on that I've tried to tell them, and they've, they've, like Barry Diller, he said that he understands now that maybe he was too strident or, or maybe he thought that, you know, he wanted everyone in the country to agree with his. That makes 70 million people feel like they're either stupid or feel like they are, you know, completely amoral or, or have yeah. horrible values. We need to understand that people you know, look at, at elections and look at what, what they want for this country in different ways. And it doesn't make one person a really bad person if they have, a, have an opposing viewpoint. We may come absolutely. to that because now we know how evenly divided it. We, Barry yeah, Diller absolutely. Said, right. Barry Diller said it was yeah. a fluke four years ago. And to see Trump get almost reelected made him very disappointed about half the country. And that's the kind yeah. of thing we need to get away from. Completely. Look, I mean, this is that black and white thinking is a big problem. We have a, basically a two-party system, and you get one choice or the other unless you want to not vote or you want to vote for a third-party candidate effectively throwing your vote away. I get it. And that means you make compromises, but we're grown-ups. We make compromises all the time. I don't go to the supermarket and say I'm only going to buy food if it has every single characteristic with every nutrient profile that I want. I'd starve to death. And so to say that because I'm voting for somebody, I'm morally reprobate simply means I think that this guy is somewhat better than that guy. That's in adult thinking. And the black and white morality of this thing to disenfranchise the morality of 70 million people is a big mistake. It's time to make amends to understand that we have different ways to try to get around the same basic mission in this country. We want to lift each other up. We want the country to come together. 93% of Americans hate how divided we become as a country. It's time for us to strike back against the outrage industrial complex. That's 7% that's getting rich and powerful and famous by driving us apart. But that's not to say that because you wanted one candidate or another that you're morally right. reprobate. That's a mistake. Andrew. Arthur, Arthur, here's a question for two things. One is, I, I just called Joe. While, while we were on the show, he actually I looked at us when I called, because you said I was supposed to call somebody that I disagree with <laughs> that I love. And so I got on yeah. the telephone. I, I thought it was I the was middle of the interview. If you butt dialed. He, he didn't pick up the phone. Dialed. I didn't understand why he wasn't picking up the phone. You know what I was going to say? I'm not. I'm not calling. The person has to call me. I was, that's right. That's what I was going to say. Well, that means see, that means you figured see, out that you're going to be on the losing got, side, probably. I'll take your call. Yeah, you so, need to be but, the gracious one this time, Sorkin. You're the winner. So yeah, yeah. You, oh you, goodness. You, see, Arthur. See now these more. He, see the, uh, these moral arguments are being made. My I question know. to you though is. Yeah. In, a, in a world that may be divided, if in fact, um, and I, I, it, it could be a small, I don't know if it's going to turn into a small blue wave or what's going to happen, especially if, if, if the Senate were to decide, were, were, to, were, to, were to turn blue, if you are a president, Bi uh, a vice president Biden, you become the president, how do you think this 
world should be governed, meaning right now, if it's a, if it's a divided government, by default, it comes to the middle. If it isn't, how do you handle it? What, what's the yeah, moral so, thing to do? Yeah, okay. So, and again, you know, Democrats are not, you know, saying, I wonder what Arthur Brooks thinks. I get that. But, but let's point something out here. Look, if you, if you looked at how people were talking about the presidency of Donald Trump, it was relatively unpopular. Even among people who are Republicans, they didn't like the way that he was governing. That was number issue number two or something with the quality of governance. I get that. Okay. And yet, it was an incredibly close election. The reason for that is because the, the Democrats were, were giving this black and white thinking that, that Joe was just talking about a minute ago, that if you supported Donald Trump, if you voted for Donald Trump, if you voted for Republicans, it means you were bad morally. It means that you had no moral standards. That turned off so many people that the Democrats almost have been able to manage losing this election. Matt, you know, that, that should be a big wake-up call in and of itself. If, you, if the Democrats squeak this out, and they have the presidency, maybe not the Senate, and even if they have the Senate, it's time to bring the country together. It's time to be normal. It's time to behave the same way that you would if you came into a fractured company. Look, we got a lot of CEOs and a lot of senior managers watching us on this show, which is great. And I have been the CEO of a company too. And let me tell you, when you go into a company where people don't get along, the first thing you don't do is choose sides. That's a mistake. That's also known as horrible leadership. Joe Biden has an opportunity to be a very popular, very unifying, very successful president if, in point of fact, he's elected today or tomorrow, whenever we decide Arthur, a winner. Arthur, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I, my concern, though, is that the Democrats look at the Republicans and say that, that 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 hasn't been the case for a very, very, very long time in terms of how they've behaved. And so you have bad behavior teaching other people bad behavior, and, and we can we can decide where the bad behavior started, but it's a, it's a long time ago at this point. All right, we got it go. is a long time ago, but revenge go. is not the right we answer. Go. At this I got point. five seconds. We got to get out. We got to get out. Right. Thank you, Arthur Brooks. Thank you. thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Next on Squawk Pod, billionaire investor Leon Cooperman. His predictions for after the election: what happens to the markets and your money? I'm assuming in the next 12 or 18 months something will happen to change this Goldilocks environment and it will force the hand of the Fed. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Becky Quick. The Dow, the S&P 500, and the Nasdaq are on track for their best week since April. Joining us right now is billionaire investor Lee Cooperman. He's the chairman and CEO of Omega's family office, of Omega Family Office, and Lee. If you look at what happened last week, the Dow was down by 1,800 points. This week, it gained it all back, 1,800 points in the first four sessions. What is the market telling us about what we're seeing play out right now through the election? I think the market is largely reflecting the Fed's policy, which is free money. You know, people don't know what to do with money. And I think the Fed is pushing people out of the risk curve. Uh, you know, you can't survive on T-bills, which are near zero. You can't survive on 10-year governments at 70 basis points. Uh, industrial credits are 2 or 3%, high yield 6%, 
structured credit is maybe eight or nine percent. Uh, so people are buying stocks, um, and uh, it's understandable. Uh, but um, I think it's not going to end well. But uh, it's understandable. You think that this is just a redo? Basically, we're back to where we were two weeks ago, and forget the election. Well, no, I think the election. We don't know what the outcome is. All we know for sure is it's going to be challenged. It'll probably be many weeks before you know the final result. But I think the most significant thing that came out of the election was, I think, the repudiation of the left. You know, um, I have publicly stated I voted for uh, Vice President Biden. Um, I think we need a change. Uh, and uh, but I think that the election, as close as it is, because the people's unhappiness with law and order and the violence we're seeing in the streets and the fear of the socialist co-opting uh, Vice President Biden. And I think those are legitimate concerns, uh, but uh, I think the overwhelming reality is the Fed is just creating this environment of free money. And you have to kind of make a judgment whether that's justified, how long it's going to last, and what impact this has in the longer term outlook. So I think right now we're in an environment where stocks are clearly uh, the only viable asset class that makes sense. Um, and uh, uh, the volatility stems from the fact that uh, the machines dominate the market. You know, I get a call from my, one of my brokers last week when the market was heading down, and they say at 32 something or other, these machines come in to sell. Well, what the hell? They were buying at 35.50, now they're selling at 3,200. I mean, it's a different world than I've grown up in. Um, but uh, I would say that uh, I think the near-term outlook is favorable because of Fed policy, uh, because of the uh, apparent election outcome, uh, and uh, I think that we will get, if necessary, we will get a stimulus bill, um, uh, and I think we'll get good news on the vaccine for the virus. I've been of that view for a while. Uh, longer term, I probably have a dissenting view than Wall Street, um, because I'm um, of the concern as to who pays for the party when the party's over. This nation was founded 244 years ago. It took 244 years to go from no national debt to 21 trillion. That number's going up three or four trillion dollars a year. Now, I think it's necessary now, given the, the virus situation, but there's a long-term consequence to what's going on. Um, and uh, there's just too much debt in the system. And... Um, I think ultimately there'll be a problem. So uh, I'm watching. Yeah, what's the longer term, Lee? The longer term. Uh, let me just say this. I went back and I looked. Whenever you bought into the S&P 500, when it sold the 22 times earnings or more, your five-year return forward was near zero. So I, I think I would not be surprised if the market averages did very little. Uh, I'm kind of. I harken back. Uh, you know, you, you kind of personalize your experiences. I got my MBA from Columbia Business School on January 31st of 1967. At that time, I had a National Defense Education Act loan, had no money in the bank, had a six-month-old child, who's now, thankfully, very successful at age 54. And so I had no choice about going on vacation or going to work. I went to work the next day. I went to work at Goldman Sachs, and I started my 25-year run there on February 1st of 67. The Dow on February 1st, 67 was roughly 1,000. 14 years later, it was 1,000. And I made my money picking stocks, okay? And uh, I think that's, where, that's the environment I think we're going to be in. It's going to be in a market of stocks rather than the stock market. I think the averages are very adequately priced. They're being whipped around by the machines. But by and large, I think the market is adequately priced.
Um, and uh, uh, that's kind of my view. And uh, enjoy the party. I would stay away from, if I was a viewer, I would uh, stay away from government bonds and high-grade corporate bonds. Uh, the Fed is pushing mm -hmm. out the risk curve. Uh, they do what they got to do. Uh, but that ultimately, we're going to get into an environment where people are going to come in on the risk curve. So what do you want to watch? You watch well, that may gold, be. You, watch, you watch Fed speak, you watch overall economic activity, you'll watch inflation. But I'm assuming in the next 12 or 18 months, something will happen to change this Goldilocks environment. And it will force the hand of the Fed. It might be the dollar going to new lows and inflation picking up. Mm -hmm. I can find plenty of things to do in the market, in all honesty. And the market's been extremely bifurcated. Yeah. One of the things that's been so interesting is watching what's happened to technology stocks. That's a place where people say, look, they'll defy uh, all of this other uh, things that could be pressuring the major averages or some of those other stocks. Do you buy into any of the growth prospects for the technology stocks that have already seen big run-ups? In fact, NASDAQ up, I think, 9% just this week. I would say that if you look at interest rates, and you look at the growth rates of these companies, they're not irrationally priced. They're not cheap, but they're not irrationally priced. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Google, 35 times earnings, Microsoft, 33 times earnings, uh, MSI, uh, Motorola Solutions, 21 times earnings, Facebook, 32 times earnings. Let me just give you a statistic. If you go back to 1972, Nifty 50, they were selling a 50, 60 times earnings. The 10-year government bond was 6.5% on average for the year 1972. Tenure government is 70 or 80 basis points. So, you know, if you apply today's interest rates against these companies' growth rates, they're not expensive. Uh, you go back in 1972, you know, Sears Roebuck, not all around anymore, 40 times earnings. Kmart, 35 times earnings. Xerox, 40 times earnings. Polaroid, 90 times earnings. We don't have that today. <laughs> uh, so uh, they're not cheap, uh, but they're not really expensive against interest rates that exist. So you can come up with any valuation you want to come up with and justify it analytically. Uh, I have big positions in Google, Microsoft, MSI, Facebook, Amazon. I'm not a buyer at these prices, but I tend to buy things that are lower, but I'm not selling them. I think that these are better than gold, in my opinion. Uh, I've said that we're in three markets. The second market is the one that I have zero to do with. I call that the Robin Hood market, not the fabulous charity charity started by Paul Tudor Jones, which I'm a big supporter of, but the Robin Hood brokerage firm, these people are 30-year-olds taking government refund checks and playing the market because of zero commissions and zero interest rates. And I think, without being pejorative, they demonstrate to me they don't know what they're doing. You know, Carl Icahn is a sharp cookie. He made a mistake, it hurts. We all make mistakes. You don't make mistakes. You either make, this, you make no decisions, you're a liar. This business is prone to errors. He sells uh, Hertz at 72 cents a share. Uh, they go bankrupt. Three weeks later, the Robin Hood crowd is pricing at $5. Kodak goes from 6 or 7 to 60 or 70 or 80, back to 6, 7 or 8. The enterprise value of some of the airlines today is higher than it was pre-COVID. It just makes no sense. Well, I, I dismissed the Robin Hood market. Uh, uh, and the third market is where there's, there's value. You can find plenty of things to do. I find, you know, the S&P might be 23 times earnings, but I find a lot of four, five, six, seven, eight multiple stocks that have good stories. And uh, so, you know. Like what? Well, like what? Uh, Cigna, which had a big run the last three days, 11 times earnings. One of our favorites, uh, Mr. Cooper, a mortgage uh, broker. You know, this company earned in, this, in the second quarter 
$500 million in cash, which was 50% of the market cap of the company. They could earn as much as $9 a share this year. Okay, the stock is trading at uh, $22, $23. You're going to end the year with a book value of over $24, $25. You can end the year with about $14 a share in cash. Uh, their normalized earnings are uh, maybe $4, and the stock is trading at uh, you know, six times normalized earnings, which is a third of the market multiple on uh, the uh, their recent earnings call. And I, I'm approximating it. They'll take this to the bank. They had a million and a half mortgages on the books where if people refinanced, they would save $200 a month mortgage payments. So they have a very long runway ahead of them, very smart management, buying back stock, you know, et cetera. So that's, that's one. Um, uh, Navient, I don't know why, uh, three times earnings, yield 6.8%. Uh, my favorite idea is not a stock, it's a bond. Uh, I have a very big position <laughs> called Legato, which owns, I think, about 40 megahertz of spectrum. Uh, it's been controversial because of bogus uh, claims by the Department of Defense. Uh, the FCC spent 10 years studying this thing, and by a vote of 5 to 0, bipartisan FCC, Democrats and Republicans, approved the spectrum. The Department of Defense makes a lot of noise, which is BS. Okay, They just issued a first lien bond in the amount of $3 billion with a coupon of 15.5%. that has a make-whole provision uh, that uh, for a three-year non-call, so you'll get 150 for that bond, um, and so the the accreted value of the first lien notes is four and a half billion. There's nobody in the world that knows anything about this company thinks the Spectrum is worth much less than eight or ten billion dollars or more. There's somebody out there saying the Spectrum is worth 25 billion. So you got tremendous asset coverage, and I can make 50 percent or more in three years. Uh, I have a position, General Motors, uh, uh, very cheap stock. Uh, doing the right kind of things. Mary Barra is doing an excellent job in running the company. I have a controversial position of something I really like a lot, and I've been wrong. I've been wrong. Uh, AMCX, you know, uh, the, uh, the the media company. Everybody's negative yeah. because of COVID, which is which is truly taking place. The company just bought back 25% of the company with uh, excess cash. Um, and the Dolan family, uh, you know, I, I pay a lot of attention when somebody owns 20% of a company and is buying back stock, because unless they're foolish, they understand if they're buying back stock at inappropriate prices, they're the major losers because their ownership is going up at inappropriate prices. So I pay attention. I made a lot of money, and I made part of my reputation on betting on Dr. Henry Singleton of Teledyne. He did eight self-tender offers, retired 90% of his stock, and nobody understood stock repurchase at the time. Uh, uh, and so I pay attention to capital management. But we can find a lot of things that we're doing. But overall, I'd say that uh, I I'm worried longer term about who pays for the bill when the party's over. There's just too much debt being created out there, I think. Um, uh, um, and and that, that concerns me. Uh, and as I said, if you do the historical yeah. analysis, the forward returns when you buy into the market at these levels of valuation are not particularly attractive. But I would say I don't see the alternatives hey. given what the Fed has done. Lee, I want to thank you for making Squawk Box actually live up to its name this morning because we were named, obviously, after the box that traders would gather around on the trading floor and listen to. And I feel like that's the call we kind of just walked through with you. So thank you for your time. Thank you for the comprehensive walkthrough. And we will talk to you again soon. Okay. My pleasure. Good luck. Stay healthy. Let's hope the election results come out the way they're looking. That's a personal opinion, of course. Thanks. Bye -bye. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Lee. 
Coming up on Squawk Pod, Californians voted yes on Proposition 22. And according to Uber CEO Derek Shahi, that's one small step for Uber, one potential leap for gig workers everywhere. Logic was on our side. Drivers were on our side. And I think voters recognize that. And it was a resounding victory for us in a very big state. And we are hoping that it provides us with a platform to take these kinds of benefits and flexibility elsewhere in our country. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. If you're one of our California listeners, you might have an opinion on our next topic, Proposition 22. It was on the ballot in the Golden State just this week. Over the past month, companies like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and other gig economy companies poured over $200 million into a campaign for Californians to vote yes on Prop 22 to allow them to continue treating their workers like independent contractors rather than employees. It was the most expensive ballot initiative in the state's history, and the price seems to have been worth it. This week, 58% of California voters approved Prop 22. But what does it mean? Well, in short, rideshare drivers and the delivery folks at DoorDash and Postmates will not get benefits like workers' comp, paid sick leave, or health insurance. It's a huge win for these companies, and frankly, for customers. Part of Uber's Yes on Prop 22 campaign was the warning that fares and wait times would go up for passengers. For the gig workers themselves, it's not as simple. Under the new measure, the new hourly base for these workers did go up. It now sits just shy of $17 an hour. But they remain contractors without benefits or even pay for their wait time. It's part of a long battle between the growing gig economy and California's government, which says these tech companies continuously find ways to flout the rules. Uber CEO joined Squawk Box this morning to talk about Prop 22, and as you'll hear, so much more. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Uber missing Wall Street uh, revenue estimates in the third quarter, reporting an 18% drop in sales year over year. But on the earnings call, CEO Derek Khosrowshahi said the company is seeing early signs that it's core rideshare business will fully recover from the coronavirus pandemic. There is so much to talk to the CEO of Uber about. Joining us right now is Derek Khosrowshahi, Uber's CEO. Derek, great to see you. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. How quickly do you think uh, the mobility business can come back? Because we've even been looking at the employment numbers, for example, as one indicator. 
It's, it really is impossible to tell, and it's entirely dependent on the health situation on the ground. Uh, but what we're seeing is with markets that are opening up faster one way or the other, whether because of the health situation or the society, things are coming back. So, for example, we looked in New York City. New York City has done a phenomenal job of keeping the counts down relative to the rest of the country. And in just October, for example, our volumes in, in New York City were 63% of pre-pandemic levels, which is materially higher than they were uh, in the rest of the nation. And you got use cases uh, such as weekday use cases of the service outside of commute that are back to actually pre-pandemic levels or higher. The engagement level of users who go back with the, with the site is actually uh, higher than it was last year. So as cities open up, Uber opens up as well, we think that actually we can be a beneficiary of certain trends that we're seeing. But again, to predict it is, uh, is a fool's errand at this point. Speak to the issue, though, of market share, because one of the things that investors and analysts have been looking at is the idea that in cities that have been decimated by uh, the virus, uh, that potentially competition uh, may get better for you in that you're going to gain share ultimately. You know, right now, so I think that that could well be a hypothesis where the leader uh, all around the world, we've got the best balance sheet out there. I think that we have invested in safety in a way as far as like digital mask verification, uh, the no mask, no ride campaign that were out there. So I think people are feeling safer using Uber. Uh, our reliability and predictability uh, is is absolutely unrivaled. I will tell you that while we look at share, and we always want to make sure that we're competitive uh, with share, really what we focus on is the reliability of the, of the service, the safety of our drivers, and hopefully coming back uh, uh, as a health situation improves. On the Uber Eats side, it's an entirely different story where the business is continues to grow at unprecedented rates. You know, revenue is almost tripled year on year, and that business continues to accelerate. Okay, so Darrell, when you look at a timeline of the next 12 months, both on the mobility side, and you could, I assume that you guys are having meetings trying to factor in what happens uh, if and when there's a vaccine, when there are therapeutics, uh, different forms of new testing, um, what, what the mobility side of the business looks like, but also on the other end, what the Uber Eats business looks like, and frankly, how sustainable that growth, is, growth may or may not be in hopefully a world where people do go back to work full time. Yeah, we do look at it. And, and what we do see, and, and this is one of the benefits of our having a truly global business, we've got uh, businesses not just in the U.S., in Europe, Latin America, et cetera, is that there's a pretty consistent improvement in terms of the mobility business as you go month to month to month. Within that steady improvement, there are all sorts of kind of ups and downs. You know, Hong Kong has had some openings and closings. Uh, obviously, Europe is now going through a another shutdown. Uh, U.S. case counts move up. So the, the individual curves are not smooth. But when you look at our global uh, portfolio, it smooths out, and we're seeing kind of a month-to-month improvement. So, for example, if you look at uh, our last quarter, overall mobility gross bookings were down 50%. In September of the last month, they were down only 44%. So you just see this, this kind of consistent improvement. We think the consistent improvement will continue to next year. And we think a vaccine could radically improve the slope of that, of that improvement. Right. When we look at EADS, 
we're seeing some some great trends, right? Uh, the trips, the the monthly actives on eats are up seventy percent on a year-on-year basis. Trips are up one hundred and ten percent on a year-on-year basis. New orders, orders per eater, basket sizes, all of these trends are up double digits. And we've taken a look at eats performance in markets that are opening up relative to markets that are not opening up. Uh, New York City, again, is an example. And we haven't seen any any kind of performance degradation in eats in markets that are opening up. What that suggests to us is that there's a whole new class of consumer that's experiencing like the delight of being able to pick anything, have it delivered within 25, 30 minutes and eat what you want, how you want it. So it looks like the eats business is sticky. Uh, I wouldn't count on the kind of growth rates that we're having now post pandemic, but I do think that you're gonna have big growth rates off of a much larger base uh, as a result of everything that's happened. Uh, excuse me for one second, Andrew and Dara. And uh, we're now hearing uh, the update on Pennsylvania vote counting. Joe Biden uh, now ahead. Uh, so that state is now flipped uh, after a double digit um, lead early on. Now um, the vice president is ahead. Earlier we had Georgia uh, move into uh, uh, Vice President Biden's favor, um, right, sort of right when we began, right before we began at about 5 a.m. But that's happening now. I just wanted to bring everyone up to date on that, Andrew. Uh, that's big news. And, and while I wanted to drill in on some of the business uh, issues uh, with with Uber, uh, Dara, let me just ask you an election related uh, question, given the conversation that we've been having, frankly, for the last four hours and the country's having about Prop 22 um, in California. You succeeded there uh, in terms of this very big issue about whether you were going to have to turn your workers into employees, not contractors. Um, a state that was long considered liberal and quite progressive um, sided with you uh, on this issue. What do you think this says, not just about your business, but about the country? Well, obviously, the, the largest state of the, of the country, and, and I think the state is quite progressive, remains quite progressive. I think, I think what it says is that voters care about what drivers want. And throughout this battle, you know, people kind of had all kinds of messaging out there. Our messaging was really consistent, that the vast majority of our drivers, three quarter plus of, of our drivers, value the flexibility that our kind of work uh, uh, proffers now. And that came again and again. You know, people, there are some people who want full-time jobs, but, but for some people, if you, if you have a sick, uh, a cared one who's sick, et cetera, you, you can't have the kind of structured work that you see elsewhere. You need the flexibility that our platforms offer. And instead of taking that flexibility away to give uh, benefits, why not just give benefits? So I think logic was on our side. Drivers were on our side. And I think voters recognized that. And it was a resounding victory for us in a very big state. And we are hoping that it provides us with a platform to take these kinds of benefits and flexibility uh, elsewhere in our country. Let me ask you, though, you know, as we're looking at uh, Joe Biden taking this lead in Pennsylvania, it speaks again back to this issue in California. Uh, are you concerned, um, given the Prop 20, given what happened with Prop 22, are you or I assume you're less concerned, but do you think that the country is in a different place? I think that's a, the broader question just about regulations and the like across the business sphere. Uh, and we don't know whether we're going to have what maybe it'll be a small blue wave. We'll, we'll see what happens in the Senate in terms of what you think the agenda will be? You know, Andrew, I think that uh, the vote in California hopefully shows 
even in a very, very progressive state, what, what people want, what actual voters want on the ground. And usually politicians, usually government folks, et cetera, they ultimately listen to their voters as we will listen to our voters now. As you might imagine, there is going to be litigation, uh, potentially recounts and the like, and potentially uncertainty uh, for another month. What is that what do you think that could do to the business environment and to your business? I think uncertainty generally is just not good for business. So, for example, we we observed during these couple of days uh, where there was a lack of clarity around elections, our mobility business was a little weak in the U.S. compared to what it would have been compared to kind of the uh, the graphs that we had seen. So uncertainty, I think, in a business environment, personal environment is negative. Uh, the faster we can get certainty and clarity uh, of direction going forward, the better. Now, all that said, uh, we've, we've lasted through the pandemic. Uh, we have an incredible balance sheet. We have really innovated in building out the Eats business to be a true global leader and not just food delivery, but now going into local commerce and other delivery. So we're going to be fine. We'll find our way through. Right. And, and Dara, just separately on the margin business, uh, the issue of margins and profitability, when you look at a, on a per ride basis on the mobility side or on the eats business, how much do you think you're going to have to discount or use promotions to try to increase the, the business and how competitive it's ultimately going to be over the next 12 months? Well, I think all these businesses are going to be hugely competitive because you're dealing with total addressable markets over a trillion dollars for uh, for transportation, same thing on the on the food business. Our rides business is already profitable now. We had EBITDA margins of 18% in a quarter when volumes were down uh, uh, 50%. So from that standpoint, we have uh, made the kinds of adjustments that we need to on the cost side in order to get to profitability, but healthy profitability as well. And on the eat side, what we announced this last quarter is that 10 of the countries in which we operate are now at break even or profitable. We are discounting. Uh, we are promoting the business. We're marketing very heavily. But the scale of the business is at a level where we can do so and be profitable. So we think we're going to see growth. Uh, customers are going to see great deals. Uh, drivers and couriers are going to make good, flexible money. And we can make money. There can be multiple winners here in this business. Okay, Derek Kazrachaki, we appreciate uh, you joining us, uh, especially uh, as this news in Pennsylvania was crossing. Uh, we look forward to having a longer conversation with you very, very soon. But uh, again, uh, thank you. That's Squawk Pod for today and for this long week. Rest, you've earned it. Maybe reach out to someone you love but don't agree with politically and build a bridge, or at least try to. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin every weekday morning at 6 or sometimes earlier. This podcast is produced by me, Katie Kramer, Cameron Costa, and Caroline O'Brien. John Lazration is our editor. Subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you listen. Tweet us at Squawk CNBC, and we'll meet you back here on Monday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. 
See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.